welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Loving Jesus and making him known. If you're a visitor to the church or just popping in, that is our vision statement. We love Jesus and we want to make him known. How do we do this? How do we love Jesus and make him known? Well, it's some of the values and some of the leaflets, new leaflets that Paul has produced on that stand there. Do help yourself to them. They are excellent leaflets. Some of the, the way we do this is some of our values. And we've looked at being Christ-centered. We've looked at being rooted in Christ. And another one of our values is being spirit-filled. Just imagine for a moment a people of God filled with his spirit. Just imagine that statement. Just think on that statement. A people of God filled by his spirit. It's just amazing. I mean, what, what else do you want? I know we've got Christmas coming and all the presents and all the turkeys and everything, but no, a people of God filled with his spirit. That's our desire to see, to be, to, to, that's our desire, a people of God filled with his spirit. So today I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Is that biblical? What does it look like? What is our response to it? Back in 1985, a guy called Terry Virgo, which I'm sure many of you have heard his name, he started the New Frontiers Movement of Churches, he wrote this book, Restoration in the Church. This is one of the original books. It's not signed by Terry, so it's worth a lot more money. No, no, it's not signed. This is one of his original books. Um, it's got my name in it, but if anybody would like to borrow it, you're very welcome to borrow it. Please return it. Um, it talks about the, well, let me quote from the book. It tells the story of the growth of the house church movement and the need to apply New Testament principles to church structures and time-honored traditions. Now, this book, I think I paid £1.95 for it. You can still get it on Amazon for one penny. One penny, but postage and packing is £2.75, but the book is still one penny. So if you want to invest one penny, get hold of this book. Chapter 5 in this book is titled Clothed with Power on High which is the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And remember, before 1985, the whole idea of being baptised in the Holy Spirit was not um, fully received by the church. There was a battle in local churches. The a prophetic song that we've heard today, encouraging words, prophetic words, invitations for healing that we had last week were not the normal back in in the early 1980s it wasn't the normal now we think now we it's quite we expect it we encourage it we pray for it in the room at the back before the meeting we expect contribution but years ago that was not normal that was not normal 
charismatic meetings. You may, years ago, they used to say that our type of churches were charismatic churches because we had guitars and drummers and keyboards. Oh, they're charismatic. Not at all. They were just churches with guitars, keyboards and drum sets. Charismatic is the presence of God among the people. We were charismatic this morning, not because of our instruments, and our band played exceptionally well this morning, as they always do, but no, it's the presence of God in the meeting. One of those songs, I can't remember which one it was, but the presence of God was there. When Jason came up and urged you and appealed for you to, no, now could be the day for you to know Jesus. I mean, that is charismatic. The presence of God amongst us. And I do believe that Sunday on Sunday, our meetings are becoming more charismatic. And I'm praying for that and thanking God for that. Wow. I want to see the miracles. I want to see signs and wonders in these days. Is there ever a time in our nation for the church to be charismatic, to be full of the presence of God? It's now. I think you'd all agree with that. It's now. If there's ever a time in our nation's history, it's now for the church to be charismatic and bold. The energy of God coming with power, revelation and the, prof- uh, uh, and the prophetic onto his people. It's the most exciting place to be. I don't know about you, I was sitting there by that coat there. I was excited that this is the power of God. So people filled with the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. It's going to come up on the screen if you can look, follow your own Bibles. Um, I use the ESV version, so it would be on the ESV. So Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. And while staying with them, he, being Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for that just account we've just read, how you were talking to the disciples, and yet the time came for you to be ascended. Father, I pray for your word to be powerful today, Lord. Lord, I pray speak to us, speak to all of us, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Bible scholars actually say these few verses in the beginning of Acts are the key to the book of Acts. You shall receive power. And when you look at the book of Acts, it's all about the power of God affecting people and how they did things. You shall receive power. How, can, how could the 
early apostles go from the go from the end of the the end of the gospels to the epistles, the book of Acts is just power. How could they, they, they how could they have the how could they overturn cities as they did and areas? It's the power of God. Something had to have happened to take away their limitations, to take away their weaknesses. What was happening? Well, it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. This summer as a church, we've been looking at real life issues at what the Bible says. And we've looked at subjects like work, marriage, depression. And coming up in a few weeks, we've got what does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about parent, parenting? And today we could say, well, what, we could say, well, what does the Bible say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You see, we need to be theologically comfortable with this subject. And we need to be theologically persuaded do we believe in the scriptures? Because if we're not fully persuaded in this subject, we could really, we, there'll be opposition. In, in days not very far ahead, the church is going to be under great, op- I believe, in great opposition in this land. And we've got to be, we've got to be assured by scripture and by the Holy Spirit that no, this is what God says. I had a vision last night, or the small, early hours of this morning, that the situation could get so bad that there'll be food shortages. And I just had this picture of Lidl's, the new store in the town. And there were queues of people queuing up to buy bread. And I was there, and I got to the bread counter, and I picked up my one loaf, and this lady had this shopping basket heaving with loaves of bread. And I said to her, do you want so many bread? She said, yes, I do. I'm storing it. I'm going to freeze it. Says, I need the food for my family. I, I need it. So I said, yeah, but there's a lot of people queuing outside. When they get inside the store, they're not going to get the bread. It's going to be run out. You've bought it all. Well, she said, I, you know, it's up to them. So I bought my loaf and I came out and I saw you guys coming up to the queue or the line of people outside waiting to come in and you'd all bought a loaf of bread and you were breaking in half saying, have half of my bread. You were opening the packets of sliced bread saying, Here's, have some slices of bread. And I thought, that's the church. That's what we're going to be doing, guys. We're going to be feeding those who don't have. Anyway, that's just as an aside. Where am I? Um, we need to be theologically persuaded, this whole subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in the scripture that we saw on the screen, we see that Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the early apostles, the Jewish guys, would not, have, would not have had a problem with this. I mean, maybe we've got a bit of a problem. You should receive power. What do you mean, power? But back in those days, it was when you, they would have known the Old Testament or the scriptures. And they would have known that, you know, Gideon, the famously scared Gideon, power came upon him and completely transformed the man. Power came upon King David completely changed him. So it wouldn't have been unusual for people to, for, for the early Christians to understand, well, no, the power. But, and even in Isaiah, the prophets Isaiah and in Joel writes, no, that's going to come upon all flesh. And they would have known that. that no, it's, it's going to come on all flesh. You see, even today, we have, even though we have the scriptures, we can feel kind of ineffective. 
we can feel confused. Yeah, I know I, I want more from God, but I, I don't quite know what that means, but I, I want more. I see Becca leading worship, and she's, she's really full of the Spirit. You think, how does she do that? I want, I want to catch some of that. Maybe you feel that, well, on a, I'm, I'm okay on a Sunday, but when I get out of this place and go to work tomorrow or go to school tomorrow or wherever you are in the morning, you think, yeah, I, I feel kind of ineffective here. It's all a bit different, different when we're not together. There's corporately, we're together, yeah, we're strong. But when we go out, you think, well, I feel a bit shy, really. And you just say, morning, morning. You don't say, people say, what did you do yesterday? Well, I went to church. You know, just, you kind of, calm it down a little bit I, well maybe it's just me but <laughs> um, if you feel like that you're in good company I mean look at Peter just go back a few pages Peter in John 18 Peter said when a servant servant girl asked him are you with this man no I'm not no I don't know Jesus but didn't I see you no you didn't see me at all so if you feel ineffective you're with Peter and yet Two or three pages ahead, Peter stands in front of an enormous crowd. What changed? What changed? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. From being a man that's denying Christ, no, 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 it wasn't me. Oh, no. To standing in front of a vast crowd, declaring, no, this is God. This is, I mean, it can only be the Holy Spirit upon him. So, how does it happen? How and when do do we receive the Holy Spirit? Now, there are several viewpoints, some of which are not biblical, but there are several viewpoints. The the old evangelical view was that, well, when you become a Christian, you automatically get the Holy Spirit at the same time. It all just happens in one go. And, And actually, as you mature as a Christian, it gradually develops and is shown. That's not really very scriptural, but a lot of people did believe, do maybe still today, think, well, no, I mature into the baptism, I mature into the Holy Spirit. Another one could be, and that was from the convention along here along the road in Keswick, um, it was a kind of like a surrendering. You, you outpour, no, you, you outpour everything, I surrender everything, I, I make space and the Holy Spirit comes to fill me. And a lot of their songs, Keswick Ministry songs, great songs, but it was, they were leaning towards surrendering and opening up. But actually, that's not in Scripture. When we look at, we're going to look at Scripture in a minute. It's got, you've got a bit of a Cook's tour. We can't say that now, can we? We can't say that, the Cook's tour. <laughs> a tour of, of some of the Scriptures doesn't say that. Another view, the old Pentecostal view, was no, you have to wait. And you have to pray. In fact, you go to a tarrying room. And some churches have a room at the side, like a a tarrying room, where you just wait and you pray and you pray and you pray. Maybe some of you have done that. Maybe that's your background. I don't know. Another one is a bit like a slow-release medicine. You know, sometimes you take a pill and they say, do not chew this pill because it's a slow-release medicine and it's going to release itself in your body overnight or whatever. It's almost like that you essentially get the spirit on conversion and it slowly releases as you grow old or older. Again, that's not really in scripture. 
Well, what does the scripture teach us? What does the scripture say? Let's look up to, you know, what happened. Well, let's look at the book, book of Acts. And before you say it, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but Chris, the book of Acts does not give us theology. It doesn't give us doctrine. Books, book of Acts was just action. Now, we've got to go to the letters, to the epistles at the end, Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Galatians. No, they are the ones. They're the books. No, no. All scripture, it says in Timothy, all scripture is okay for doctrine. So we can take doctrine from the book of Acts. You see, the epistles do not tell us to be baptized in water. It's taken for granted. The gospels anticipate the coming of the Holy Spirit. The epistles or the letters explain it. But your book of Acts, see how it happens. I mean, the book of Acts is a crazy, powerful book, isn't it? Have you ever, I mean, have you ever sat down and just read through the book of Acts? You think, time and time again, yeah, they're praying for people, powers of signs and ministries of people. Wow! Isn't that what we want now? Wouldn't we, wouldn't we like the book of Acts to be here in Cockermouth and here in our local area? Where am I? <laughs> Where am I? Um, you see, being a Christian and automatically filled with a spirit at the same time, I would say, is biblically not right. It's incorrect. Tarrying until you speak in tongues is not in the scripture. So let's look at Acts chapter 8. Now, don't worry if you, if you want to make notes of these scriptures. We're going to just write the references down at the end. So you have the whole list of scriptures if you want to go home and make the study. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, being Peter and John, laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, from hearing in Jerusalem and sending Peter and John down to Samaria it might have taken a few days, maybe weeks. So it's not instant in that case. Acts chapter 9, Richard. Acts chapter 9, verses 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, that would be Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. Well, that's three days after. If you look at the little bit of scripture before then, it was three days. Three days, Paul or Saul had scales over his eyes, was not eating, in a dreadful state. And Ananias, we don't know who Ananias really was. He just, you know, Ananias, you've been chosen, Ananias. Go to and see this man, Saul. Saul? The guy that was butchering people and, oh, you mean, you mean Saul? Yes, Ananias, you've been chosen to go. And Ananias went 
and prayed for this man. This man, Paul. Paul. Wow. What an, how, what an amazing man in God's history. Look at the New Testament, all the letters that this man wrote because Ananias was obedient to go and pray for him. Oh. Acts 19, verses 2 to 6. And there he found some disciples. This is Paul. And Paul said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Well, into what were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So they were still wet from baptism. Here it's... Still wet from baptism, Paul says, come on, come out of the water, let's lay hands on you, let's pray with you. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was no tarrying there. There was no slow-release medicine there, no. There was no surrendering there, no, it just happened. Still wet from baptism, still dripping with water. John chapter 7, verse 37. Sorry this is a, if this is a bit of a tour around the scriptures, but it's important that we get the scriptures underneath us and think, okay, no, this is what the scriptures are saying. John chapter 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Spirit was not, in this um, John's Gospel, chapter 7, the Spirit was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. That is the weight That is the weight. Now, Jesus had not been on the cross. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles were were waiting for the glorification of Jesus. Now that has happened, Peter was a changed man. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Now that it has happened, for us, the Holy Spirit can come upon us. We don't have to wait any longer. Jesus is glorified. Before he was glorified, no, Jesus said, no, you wait. Put your brakes on. You've got to wait a bit. I'm not yet glorified. Now he's glorified. Okay. Giving you the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. The promise is for us. Are you called? Are you called? Jason made a great appeal this morning. He felt really called by the Holy Spirit to to make that appeal to you are you called have you been called have you said yes we are qualified for the Holy Spirit Jesus is glorified you're called yeah but am I holy enough 
That's got nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Am I holy enough? And anyway, how do you make yourself holy? Who makes you holy? Yourself? Do you kind of go home and polish up your medals? I mean, is it something we do ourselves? No, we don't make ourselves holy. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. We come with all our filth and sin. How can we clean that before we come to Jesus? We can't. We come dirty and filthy. That's how we come. He cleans us. He makes us worthy. Yeah, but maybe God is not ready. Maybe God is not ready for me. No, it's totally wrong. Smash those type of thoughts. That's not a godly thought. Yeah, but the spirit was not, not yet given because they weren't ready. No, nothing about being ready. The spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. Now he is glorified. Oh, we can enjoy the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can enjoy being one with God. Yeah, but maybe I'm not. I, do you know, Chris, somebody has, somebody has prayed for me in the past and it didn't work. Nothing happened. So is it me? Is it God? Is it, what happened? It just, nothing happened. I stood there and just, nothing happened. They prayed for me and they were all getting very earnest, but just nothing happened. The key is thirsty. If you are thirsty... Jesus says, if you are thirsty, let him come to me. That's Jesus. If you are thirsty, go to Jesus. You don't come to the preacher. You don't come to the church leader. You don't come. To, no, you come to Jesus. Sometimes you go to these great big meetings where there's thousands of people and there's a call and you think, oh, yes, but you're not responding to the speaker. You're responding to Jesus. Yes, there is often laying, of, laying on of hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you are coming to Jesus. The qualification is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsting for this? Do you really want to be closer to God, to know the power of God, so you can break your loaf in half outside Littles and give it to the queue? You think, no, I can do this. I can do this. No, I, he... If he, look how much he looks after the birds of the air. He's going to look after us. Give half of it away because somebody's going to, you know, they're hungry. Speaking in tongues. Often the Holy Spirit is associated with speaking in tongues. Let me just briefly maybe bring some height, some understanding of speaking in tongues. It often seems to happen when people are filled with the Spirit, it, it seems to happen that people start speaking in tongues. The expectation is there will be speaking of tongues, but it's not mandatory. You don't have to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues isn't kind of, oh, he doesn't speak in tongues, he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. No. Oh, he speaks in tongues, therefore he's filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> speaking in tongues is just part of, well, an expression that God gives us. I mean, I don't know about you, but this morning I was, speak, I was praising in tongues most of the morning. I was just, just enjoying it. And was, have you ever been in a situation where somebody says, can you pray for this situation? And the situation is pretty bad. And you think, well, 
what do I say? Uh, I can't verbalize it. It's praying tongues. So much easier. And you, and you know that you are kidding. You, you, oh. Do you agree? Do you ever do that? You think, no, just pray in tongues. Just, just pray the language God has given you. He understands, even if you don't. Speaking in tongues. The expectation is that you will speak in tongues. But it's not God who speaks in tongues. It's us. God doesn't speak in tongues. So you don't have to be passive. You don't stand there and just open your mouth. I remember when I was living in Mexico, I went to a school to learn Spanish. I was nine months in this school. And, uh, and we had vocabulary lists to learn and grammar to learn. And then the last class of the day, for about an hour, it was conversation. And you had to incorporate the grammar you'd learnt and the vocabulary you'd learnt and do a conversation. And there was only about six or seven in our, in our group, and you'd have to stand at the front, and the teacher was there, and he would be talking to you, and you'd talk back to him, and using some of the vocabulary. Well, if you just stood there and opened your mouth, well, nothing would happen. Oh, no, I'm trying to speak Spanish. Well, speak it. Yes, but I can't roll my R's. In fact, Roger can't roll his R's at all. <laughs> um, he, I, so I learned how to go R. I couldn't do it before. It was W. Well, when I was a boy at school, uh, I was only a little, weak little boy, and the sixth formers used to come up to me and say, what's your name? And I used to say, my name's Christopher Wobbins. <laughs> That's how I used to speak. I couldn't roll my arms. My name was Wobbins. And it wasn't until I learned Spanish that I now can say Robbins. I can actually say it properly. So, so it's a bit like speaking in tongues. You have to speak it. It's not just you open your mouth and... Oh, there it is. No, you have to use your vocal cords. You have to move your tongue. Have to, that's why it's called speaking in tongues, because you've got to move your tongue. When you look in the Old Testament, Elisha and the woman with the oil, you may remember that story. As, as she began to pour the oil, it began to flow, and it, the oil flowed over the top of the vessel, and the miracle wasn't that it started. The miracle was that it continued. When Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Well, Peter, uh, Jesus didn't supernaturally take Peter out of the boat, put him on the water. So, no, Peter had to climb out of the boat, had to engage his knee and get over the side of the boat, use his apparatus, had to walk on the water. It wasn't just, oh, hey, whoa. No, he had to climb out the boat in a rough sea and walk on the water. Um, he had to get out of, the, of one dimension you're in and move into another one. That's speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 2, and it will come up on the screen, Richard, please. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. 
Have you been called? Have you been called? Have you, do you, have you heard the sound of Jesus call you? I know most of you have, but maybe you're a visitor today or maybe you just haven't really heard that calling. You've never really heard Jesus say, whatever your name is, hey, come to me if you're thirsty. Maybe you've said, yes, Lord, yes, yes, I, 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 I've done, but I don't really understand this baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it? And Jesus is saying to you, hey, come and be filled. Come and know me more. Come closer to me. The response, if you want to make a response, the response today is, yes, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Because I want to have power. Not for my own self glory, but no, I want to have power so I can share you with my work friends. I can break my loaf and give it half away. I don't have to worry about what's coming up tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I mean, it's, it's, we live in alarming times, but we don't have to be alarmed. Maybe we can say, no, no, he will look after me. He will never leave me. He will never leave me. Where can I go to be out of your presence? King David said that. Where can I go, Lord, to be out of your presence? If I go to the north, if I go to the south, where can I go? You're, you're there with me. Get on an aeroplane or fly to the other side of the world, he's there with you. As the girl opens the door, in comes the Holy Spirit and the warm air. You think, oh, yes, the warm air. But no, he's there. Where can you go? You can't. He is with you. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up now. What's the time? It's eight minutes past 12. We've got plenty of time. There's no hurry today. We don't have to finish till about 12.30. If you want to study those scriptures, Richard will put them up on the board, on the, on the screen. That's just a bit old-fashioned, isn't it, saying the board? Um, we'll put them up on the screen if you want to make a note of them, by all means. If you feel that, well, I, I want to study the scriptures a bit more. I don't really want to make a response today but I just want to study the scriptures a bit more. Well, if that's the case, excellent. Study the scriptures, send me a text, come round to my house, Gail and I, with a group of others, would love to pray with you. On Wednesday evening, there's a prayer for revival meeting every Wednesday evening at Alex Crawford's house in, um, in, the, in the Parklands. Meet for an hour, eight o'clock to nine o'clock. We would love you to come. If you want to come and say, no, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's prayer for revival. If you can't do Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, 7 o'clock, get up early and think, no, I'll go to that prayer meeting on Thursday morning and maybe they'll pray for me. Yeah, we would love to pray for you on Thursday morning. Maybe, well, I can't do Thursday morning. I can do Sunday. Come early. Come through the little door there to the right. We have a little prayer meeting, quarter quarter to 10 for 20 minutes. If you think, if you come next Sunday, say, look, hey guys, pray for me. I just, I want more of the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray for you. It'll be a privilege to pray for you. But if you want to respond this morning, I'd like to ask you to come up over that side because this gets busy with all the putting away. Come up that side. If you want to respond, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I want you to come and Clean my, clean my life. Clean my mouth. Clean my mind. Clean my mind. Lord Jesus, please come. Maybe 
That's for you today. There'll be a group of folk over there, Brenton and Pauline and Ali. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe it's, yeah, I've done that, but I want more of God. And I feel today's the day. Come and, come and we'll lay hands upon you. Don't forget, you're not coming to us. You're coming to Jesus. The thirst is for Jesus. And if you want to stay seated or standing, well, let's stand and let's sing. Yeah, they're the verses. If you want to not jot them down, thank you, Richard. Um, let's stand. Let's worship. Let's worship in spirit and truth and enjoy the closeness and presence of God. <laughs>